Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there at the song at the sea? The Israelites have made it to safety. They've walked through this incredible hallway of water on each side that God parted for them. And they get to the other side. The Egyptian enemies are wiped out behind them in this brutal disaster. And they are free at last. The party they threw must have been better than any New Year's Eve I have ever been to. And to actually walk through this sea on your way to freedom, seeing the water on each side and dry ground beneath you, I can't even imagine how it might have felt. If you're like me, you have a pretty clear image of how the whole thing played out. They're standing there on one side and Charlton Heston raises his staff. <laughs> a mighty wind comes and parts the way. Easy. There's another story of how it happened, though, that I want to share with you all. This story comes to us through the Jewish storytelling tradition called Midrash. This other version says that when Moses and his people were trapped between the sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them, the people began yelling at Moses, asking why he had brought them out of the safety of slavery in Egypt. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. There have been times in my life where I certainly at least felt like I was trapped between an army and a sea. And in that moment, Moses did what any of us would have done. He turns to God and he says, well, what now? If you've ever had that feeling, would you say out loud right now, put, look up at the sky and say, what now? But God rebukes Moses and tells him to just turn around and keep walking. But he doesn't. He freezes. The task is too great. And so another man, a man named Nakshon, a leader of his tribe, begins to wade into the water. Nakshon has a lot of faith in God, so he steps into the water expecting them to part. But it doesn't. So he wades in all the way up to his waist, expecting God to part the waters, but it doesn't happen. When he gets in up to his neck, he is sure God will clear the way, but not yet. It's only, we're told, when he is in so deep that the water is lapping up over his nostrils and he is struggling to breathe that God sends that wind and parts the way to freedom. In this story, God wanted to free the Israelites, but first they had to do their part. Liberation didn't come because they sat back in comfort and asked politely. If you have ever worked to change our government or a corporation or any major institution, the story of Nakshon may feel familiar to you. He was in almost over his head before the way began to clear. If that's been your experience, would you say out loud, over my head? Wade in the water, wade in the water, children, wade in the water. God's gonna trouble the water. Why would Nakshon do such a thing? What gives a person like that such faith in the path before them, even when they can't see the path? When I hear stories like this of people I admire, I try to ask myself, who would I be if I had been there? If I was in this drama, what character would I have played? 
To be honest, I'm probably not Nakshon. I'm probably not Moses or Pharaoh either. I'd like to think that of the bystanders watching Nakshon wade into the water, I would have at least been one of the supportive ones. <laughs> that's, that's more my style. Calling out, keep up the good work, Nakshon. I'm right behind you as soon as it's dry. <laughs> Let me know if you need me to sign a petition. What gives a person such faith in the path before them? Shane Claiborne is a radical Christian activist who set up an intentional community to live the values of his faith. And to speak of the struggles he went through in creating that community, it was no easy path. But he says, he says, some of us have just caught a glimpse of the promised land. And that glimpse is so dazzling that our eyes are forever fixed on it never to look back at the ways of the old empire again. If you've ever had a vision of a better world, would you say out loud right now, glimpse of the promised land? I imagine that Nakshon had somewhere in his heart had caught a vision of the promised land. He knew where his people were at, trapped between an army and a sea, and where they had to go, even if the way brought them through very troubled waters. Wade in the water, wade in the water, children, wade in the water, God's gonna trouble the water. Our Unitarian Universalist faith, this congregation in particular, have committed to a path of moving towards an anti-racist, anti-oppressive, and multicultural community. For me, one of the first real discussions that I ever participated in on race was actually in college. I was at a UU association gathering, and it was a white folks identity group. We sat in this oversized convention center room, a dozen white college and high school students talking about race, and somebody said these words that just hit me. They said, racism is the name of a system that pushes down one group of people, people of color. But the other half of that system is lifting up another group with unearned advantage, white people. I've gone on to learn a lot since then about how that lifting up and pushing down plays out and how it works in our institutions and society. But that first sentence was so powerful because for the first time it articulated what for me had been the missing half of the story on race. Any community I'd been a part of that ever talked about race always talked about those people, people uh, far away from us in other neighborhoods, people of color. But this part of the story, the lifting up with unearned advantage, was the first time I ever saw my place in things. It was like discovering the law of gravity and learning that all along through my whole life I had been quietly pushed in a certain direction. There was the time that the police let me go with a warning, the first good paying job I ever got through a family friend, everyone who ever said I looked like a leader, the private school I went to, the other time the police let me go with a warning, the honors classes I took, strangers who naturally trusted me, my own trust in the government to support me and be on my side, and last but not least, the other time the police let me go with a warning. 
Coming to look honestly at my place in this old empire of ours has felt at times like being in over my head. How uncomfortable to realize that despite my best intentions, despite the values I carry with me and try to live out, I am sometimes in the position of the Israelites fleeing the Egyptians, but I am at the same time also the Egyptians. Most of them weren't bad people, you know. They were just part of this unjust system where exploitation of the most vulnerable among them was built into their economic system. I can understand that. The sneaky thing about this unearned advantage is that I didn't ask for it. It was like finding extra money in my back pocket after doing the laundry, which normally I love. All along the way, my employers and the police and locally funded schools and standardized tests and family connections and the housing market had all been quietly slipping money into my back pocket and I never needed to pay attention. In fact, I was encouraged not to. But walking intentionally into uncomfortable conversations about race, about class, about all of the systems of inequity that surround us, walking in up to my neck has given me, if not a glimpse of the promised land, at least a vision of a way forward together. Once the Israelites were out of the desert and the way forward looked difficult, some among them asked Moses to take them back to the comfort of slavery in Egypt rather than trust that they could cross the troubled waters. That is certainly understandable to me. What's a white person to do if I inherit money accumulated by my parents or grandparents at a time when their careers and even their neighborhoods were closed off to people of color? What's a man to do if corporations slip an extra 20 or 30% of income into our back pockets just for being male-bodied? What's a heterosexual to do if federal marriage law slips extra money into our back pockets for loving someone of a different gender? Looking around at these systems of inequity that are larger than any one individual can feel like being trapped in the old empire of Egypt. It feels like being trapped in Egypt, for me at least, as an Egyptian, living in comfort made affordable by the cheap labor of exploited people. The Israelites we know, though, had a plan for liberation. What about the Egyptians? Were any of them uncomfortable with their place in things? The story doesn't tell us much about it. I'm stunned by the courage of the Mexican worker on the immigration rides in Arizona who at great personal risk boarded a very public bus to speak his truth about humanity in an unjust system and the need for reform. But I'm also so impressed with that white woman who sat near him and was willing to get into that same struggle up to her neck. One might think that she would have nothing to lose by showing her identification to the authorities and avoiding the detention center but she sought a greater purpose. Perhaps she saw a glimpse of the promised land, even though that meant living her values in troubled water. Our broken immigration system is certainly troubled water. A public school system that fast-tracks some to college and some to jail is troubled water. A consumer culture that urges us to find comfort in things at the expense of relationship is certainly troubled water. The separation of people according to racial profiling is troubled water, and a stock market that lifts up oil companies despite the work and effort of our local congregations is troubled. Wading through those troubled waters of injustice can bring us to the other side, though, 
where we can realize the promised land of justice and equity and compassion in our relationships. As Unitarian Universalists, we know that the promised land is not just some distant place in the afterlife or even distant in this world, but it can be a journey that we make together, hand in hand in relationship with our community and reaching out beyond the borders and barriers that divide us. I don't know if there is a God somewhere who has specific opinions about how we go about bringing change to this broken material world, but my experience tells me that some plans work better than others. Sitting back in comfort and asking nicely for change tends not to work. It is rare to find a story of societal transformation without some very troubled water, without someone moving forward into the depths, holding fast to a vision of the promised land. The African-American spiritual wade in the water comes from the New Testament story of the pools of Bethesda, where we're told a multitude of people waded by its shores because it was known that in certain seasons, God would stir and trouble the water. And the first person into the troubled water when that happened would be cured of all of their ailments. Troubled water was the way to be healed, to be made whole again. In a story of exodus from slavery in our own nation, Harriet Tubman was said to sing the song to tell slaves on the run that they should follow the waterways to avoid the dogs tracking their scent. I can't say for sure which character in this Exodus story I would have been had I been there, but I can say that I've known some modern-day Nakshones. Is that true of you? If so, would you say modern-day Nakshones? I am planning to try my best to follow them into the water. Coming of age in Unitarian Universalist community for me challenged me to think about how change happens, how we move from the world as it is to the world as it might be, from the sea to the promised land. We have a strong tradition of heresy that I hope isn't coming to an end anytime soon. And so, in that spirit, I invite you to join me in the heresy of perhaps returning any unearned money you may find in your back pocket. I invite you to think of a modern-day Nakshon in your life and ask them, how do you do it? I invite you to wade into the troubled water of discomfort, of difficult conversations, and of daily action. I invite you to turn your back on this old empire of ours and join me in recommitting to a Unitarian Universalism that speaks of the promised land in the here and the now and walks into the water to get there together. Amen. Thank you.